So this morning we are continuing our, our series, our sermon series discussion about, about marriage, about uh, having a marriage that, that God designs for us. And if you remember last week we talked some about, or we heard from Ephesians chapter 5, we read the very first part of it where it says, wives, submit to your husbands as a church submits to Christ. And, and we talked some about how, how wives, when we hear that, it's, you know, in the first century that was pretty common, that's, what, that's uh, the relationship that women had with men in the first century, but how it's different for us. But we still hear God speaking to us today, saying, wives, trust your husbands to lead. And we talk some about men, about what it means to lead well. And we'll get some more into it uh, today as we focus on the next part of Ephesians, where it talks about men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And that's the thing, too, I mean, about our, our relationship uh, with our wives and how, as guys, I was thinking about it some this week, actually quite a bit, about what a daunting thing that is to think about for men, for us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And when you start thinking about that, I mean, how do we even compare? But last night at the men's retreat, we were having this discussion, and, and after the guys, after we talked some about, we unpacked a bit about how Jesus loved the church, the, the guys were pretty quiet. We started asking, you know, about how do we love the church? They were quiet. Because Jesus loves the church and he gave himself up for her. But how do we do this? I mean, what does this mean for us? I mean, how did Jesus love the church? And then how do we translate that into the ways that we love our wives? Guys, have you ever thought about this? I mean, when you read Ephesians, if you've read that part of it, have you ever asked yourself, boy, what does this mean for me as a husband? How do I love my wife this way? That's one of the reasons why I love the Word of God, because it helps us, it explains life to us, it guides us in life, gives us direction. So let's look at this, if you have, if you want to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, I also have it here on this white sheet, if you just want to look at it there. So let me begin at, at 21, so Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he says, Submit to one another out of, reference for, out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing, through the, washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So as we listen to this passage, I mean, the first thing that stands out to me is that Paul's urging the men of Ephesus to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And, you know, talking about it or thinking about it, let me just talk a little bit how Jesus doesn't love the church. Jesus... His idea, Jesus' idea of loving the church doesn't mean patting himself on the back when he remembers an anniversary or a birthday. Jesus' loving the church doesn't include him sitting on the couch watching the hockey game while, while his wife t- 
takes care of the kids and cleans the house and makes the dinner and everything else. That's not how Jesus loved the church. Jesus didn't love the church. He wasn't so absorbed in his own stuff that he didn't take time to care for the church. No, actually, it's quite the opposite. Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for it. But what does that mean? I mean, we can say that, but what does that mean? I mean, oftentimes we know like Jesus made sacrifices to us, but listen to this again. That in the beginning, the Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, God, or the Word was with God. The two were together. Jesus and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit were in this amazing uh, relationship. Things were amazing. Jesus is God, sitting on the throne, ruling over creation, having created things, speaking them into existence. All things were created through him. And yet Jesus left this to crawl on his hands and knees into humanity. To come into this world as a great warrior? No. As an infant, as a child. A child who needed changing, who needed care. But he was born into an amazing, into a huge palace, right? No. He was born into a manger. He was born into what many think was like a, a cave into the, into the side of the hill where they kept sheep and straw and animals. This is how the Son of God came into the world. But then, realizing how powerful he was, he took control, right? He started taking things over. When he was 20, he started, started this amazing career and became a powerful general, right? No. No, when he was tempted with all the kingdoms of the world, he still said, no, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to be faithful. And then he, and though, even though he uh, remained faithful, resisted temptation, he at least carved out a nice living for himself, right? Got himself a nice home, a nice estate. You know, nothing too flashy, but, you know, good stuff, right? No. No. Foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He wandered and lived among the people, healing and blessing people, teaching about the kingdom of God. And then he even went to Jerusalem, and he knew it was going to happen there. He told his disciples numerous times, the Son of Man must go and must be killed, and on the third day rise again. He knew he wasn't going to Jerusalem just to celebrate the Passover. He knew it was going to happen there. And he still went. How many of you have seen the movie The Passion? I've seen it. When they arrested Jesus, they spit on him. They beat him. They tortured him. They led him to the front of the Sanhedrin and they put him on trial, if that's what you'd call it. They berated him and humiliated him. And when they asked him, just tell us, are you the Son of God? And he said, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. He said, I, I am. They, the high priest tore his robe and they, and they took Jesus away. And they handed him over to the Romans to kill him. And the Romans flogged him. They beat him. They mocked him. If you remember them whipping him, they tied him to the post and they used the cat of nine tails that had 
metal cleats in it. So when they'd whip him, it would tear away flesh. They drug him out of that courtyard, wrapped robes on him, and then they forced him to carry a cross through the city. Loss of blood and no food. I mean, it's amazing that he even made it. And then they led him up to Golgotha, the hill, the skull. And they stretched his arms on that cross. And they nailed him in. And there's that one scene in, in the Passion where his hand, the, his hand doesn't reach the hole on the cross. And so the Roman soldier puts his uh, foot on the cross and he pulls his arm, pulling his shoulder out of the socket so they can nail it through the hole. And then they slide the, the cross into the hole and it comes down with a thunder and, is, and Christ hangs there. Bleeding, barely alive, trying to live. And then just to, to breathe, he has to lift himself to breathe. Crucifixion suffocates you. It takes muscles to raise yourself so that you can breathe. And eventually he dies. Jesus dies. And he wasn't by accident. It was, he knew what was happening. Jesus endured all of this. Excruciating pain and sacrifice. And he went into the tomb for three days. This is how Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for it. He died to present the church to him a clean bride, washed through the water and the word, without stain or wrinkle or blemish, making her holy. And I think we tend to... I mean, we've heard this story so many times. We've seen the passion. We've read the Gospels. And sometimes I think we can take it for granted. I mean... I feel like this morning we are talking again about the reality of what it means to be crucified and the sacrifice that Christ made for us. But we can take for granted that Jesus gave himself up for the church. That he gave himself up to sanctify the church, to sanctify us, to make us holy, to make us forgiven. All of sin was gathered together at that one place on the cross and God dealt with it so that we could be right with our Father in heaven again. That sin would no longer separate us from our God. On the cross, we are forgiven. On the cross, we are saved. On the cross, we have victory over death and over sin. On the cross, we begin hope in life more full. Not just begins now, but goes on for eternity with our Lord Jesus. This is how Christ loved the church. This is how he gave himself up for her. You know, we think, we hear the word love in our society, in our culture. Love has this connotation of a feeling. It's mostly about feeling. You know, people say, I fell in love, and then I fell out of love. And when we think of love, we think of, you know, drawing hearts on little post-it notes and writing poetry. <laughs> you know, when Paul's talking about love your wife as Christ loved the church, I don't think he's talking about whip up warm and fuzzy feelings. I think he's saying, love her in a way that Christ loved the church, not by so much by words or fuzzy feelings, but by action, by sacrifice for her sake. 
You know, we, we read this text in Ephesians. And, you know, in our culture, we were talking about it last week. In our culture, we have a hard time with the part of wives submit to your husbands. In the first century, that was how the world worked. That part was easy for them. But when it said, when Paul said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that's when everybody just about fell out of their chair. Because that's not how the relationship, that's not how husbands love their wives, generally speaking, in the first century. And so we hear it today. And maybe, guys, we can think, you know, kind of joke our wives. I mean, I've done it too. Uh, you know, wives, submit to your husbands. And you kind of, yeah, you should do that, right? And then we get to the next part where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And all the joking stops. Because, guys, that is huge. <laughs> I don't know how we do that without Christ in our lives. When we were talking about this last night at the men's retreat, we got to this part about loving our wives as Christ loved church, and we just talked about how Christ actually loved the church. And they were stunned. They were quiet. There wasn't really a lot of joking going on anymore. Because Christ gave himself up for the church. And guys, this is what we're called to do. This is, these are weighty things that Paul is calling us to. That God means for us in our marriage, for us to give ourselves up for our wife. But the thing is, how do we work this out? I mean, Jesus' sacrifice is it's unfathomable. We, we spend our lives trying to understand the sacrifice that Christ made for the church. And, and how do we do that for our wives? I mean, like, honestly, I pray that you never have to give up your life literally for your wife. But maybe you will someday, and it will come to that. I think that's how Christ called us to love our wives. But how, is he, how do we work this out in our day-to-day life? How do we give ourselves up for our wives today? One thing I was thinking about is that as guys, we have a tendency to be a little bit self-centered. Not totally, but generally speaking, myself included. I was thinking about it. My world revolves kind of around me. And Tracy's world revolves mostly around our family. I don't know, that's probably, most of you, kind of a common experience, right? You know, that you realize, wives, maybe you realize it a little bit better than us guys do, that, that your life revolves around a lot about your family, about your children, about your, how your husband and how all that's going. But guys, it's a lot around us, around our work and what we're doing and our projects. How do we turn that around? How do we love our wives as Christ loved the church and give ourselves up for Well, I want to give some, some thoughts about this, but I also realize as we're talking about this, they can seem really trite. They can seem really superficial when we just talked about the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made for us to follow him. The amazing sacrifice that Jesus made for the sake of the church. But I believe we have to start somewhere. So the first thing that I think one way that we can do this, guys, is I've talked with husbands and wives over the years. One of the ways that we can give ourselves up for our wife is listen to her. And you think, come on, Jason, that's it? Just listen to her? Well, I'm talking about really listen to her. I'm not saying just listen to her long enough to get the whole grocery list. I'm talking about really listen to her. To ask your wife, how's she doing? 
And then you'll, you know, like, and if it's anything like our family, you say, like, I'll say, hey, Tracy, how are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm fine. You know, things were, did this this week or today, and the boys did that. And, and, and then I have to say, no, I'm, I'm serious. How are you doing? And she says, oh, it's that conversation. And so we'll talk some about it, and I'll listen. <laughs> Ask your wife how she's doing. Ask your wife how she's doing with, with God. How are you doing with Jesus? How's that going? How can I pray for you? Those are deep questions. And guys, those are questions that, um, if we're doing it right, it takes a while to answer and a while for us to listen to. Give ourselves up for I know the game might be on and you have, you know, 20 things in the shop that you want to work on, but give yourself up for don't worry, if I could be sitting there and preaching to myself, I would. <laughs> I need to hear this too. Give ourselves up for. There's another one. Ask if there's anything that she's struggling with right now. Or if there are things that are bothering her or weighing her down. And just listen. Listen for the things that she says. Listen for the things that she doesn't say, but you know she's thinking about. I know, guys, that's the hard part, is trying to understand what our wife doesn't say. But listen to her. Listen to her, but don't try to fix it. Because that always gets us in trouble, guys. And I know this is how we're wired. You're telling, you're coming to me with a problem, and, and she's coming to you with a discussion, and we think she's coming to us with a problem. So we're like, how do I fix it? And so we start saying... I mean, I've done this. <laughs> Tracy will come and say, you know, here's what I'm dealing with. And she just wants me to listen to her. If she wants my advice, she'll ask me, but I usually just end up giving it, and it totally ruins it. So I try to fix her. She's like, here's the problem I have. Well, here's what you should do. It's not why she's asking me. It's not why she's talking with me. It's not to figure out what she should do. She's trying to talk with me. It's about the relationship, about our connection. So guys, resist the temptation to fix her. Just listen. <laughs> you'd be surprised. I know you like it. That sounds too easy, right? But you'd be surprised how hard it is for us guys to just listen. To not think we have to do something to fix it or to, to change it for. Just listen. Guys, give yourself up and listen to your wife. That's the first thing is listen. The next thing that I way that I want a powerful way that we can give ourselves up for our wife is to find out what her dreams are and support her in that. I mean, like I kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, I mean, it's really easy for us guys. We kind of live in our little world and, and we know really well what our goals are and the things that we want to do and the things that we want to accomplish. How well do you know what your wife is passionate about? How well do you know what she's trying to accomplish right now? And how are you supporting her in that? How are you helping her with that? I, for example, I know that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a small thing, but it's, it's big for Tracy, is that she desires, she wants to run, to just run in the morning. And I haven't done a good job of, of supporting her in that. I know it means a lot to her. I don't get it. I hate running. <laughs> but but it's, it's important to her. And I haven't really helped her in that. So that's one of the things I'm going to start doing, is supporting her, taking care of the boys so she can go for a run. 
to set down my stuff, to sacrifice the stuff that's important to me for a little while so that I can bless her. I can support her dreams, what she cares about. And I know, guys, you might be thinking, like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why she wants to run. But I know it's important to her, so I'm going to do it. And maybe think, well, my stuff is way more important than her getting a chance to go out and run. Give yourself up for Find the things. And, you know, if your wife likes to run, I don't know, sorry, guys. <laughs> but if it's other things, find out what she's passionate about. Maybe it's something at work that she's passionate about. Maybe it's a hobby or something with your family that she's passionate about. Find a way to support her and encourage her in that. To bless her. So it's those two things. One is listen. Give yourself up and listen. The other is give yourself up and find out what she's passionate about and help her in that. The thing I wanted to make this connection, though, too, is that Jesus gave himself up to make the church holy, to sanctify it, to present it to himself without blemish or stain or wrinkle. And, you know, we, guys, we can't. We can't make our wives holy. That's Christ's work. That's God's thing. But we can encourage our wives in faith. We can encourage our wives in holiness. In fact, I think that's actually... uh, one of our main priorities or one of our main responsibilities as a husband. You know, because if she's going to trust us as a church trusts Christ, if she's going to submit herself to us, then we better be worthy of submitting to. That's a huge responsibility for us, guys. To be faithful men. To be the sort of men that, that, that are worth, that are worthy of this honor, of this trust from our wives. That we continue to do this. But, and, you know, we don't just happen to be holy. It takes work. It takes devotion. That we are growing in our relationship with Jesus. And see, that's the thing. It's, it's somewhat counterintuitive because you think, oh, if my wife, if, if I need to encourage her to be healthy, then I just, or to encourage her to be holy, then I just encourage her, right? That's not how it works. If we want our wives to be holy then we have to be holy. If we want our wives to be growing in their relationship with Jesus, then we need to be growing in our relationship with Jesus. And if we want to be growing in our relationship with Jesus, then we have to be spending time with him. We can't give what we don't have. We can't teach what we don't know. Because if you try, people will see right through it. They'll see, and that's just, I'm sorry, there's another word for it. It's called hypocrisy. So if we want to encourage our wife in faithfulness, we, guys, we have to be growing in our own faith. We have to be spending time with Jesus. Spending time reading God's Word, especially the Gospels. Sitting down, you know, it takes like two hours to read the Gospels. Maybe a little bit longer for some of the longer ones like Luke. But to sit down and read the story of Jesus. To read how he taught people, how he interacted with people, how he, how he showed us what God's kingdom looks like. Spend time reading the Gospels. Spend time praying. And I don't just mean like whipping through your shopping list, God help me with these things. I'm talking about listening to Him. Lord, Jesus, what are you up to in my life right now? What are you trying to show me? What am I missing? Lord, I want to know you better. Will you show me more of yourself? These sort of prayers. And then you listen. We need to be growing. Men, we need to be growing in our faith if we want to help encourage our wife in their faith. 
So these are the sort of things that we do. This is sort of how we love, or at least begin to love our wife like Christ loved the church. We listen to her. Listen to her. Ask good questions and listen. We give up some of our stuff so that we can help her with her dreams. We can help her with things that she's passionate about. And then we do our part to encourage her in faith by first making sure that we are growing in faith. That we are growing closer to Jesus. Then we can help her. These are some just like practical ways, some small ways that actually have huge implications in our, in our relationships, in your marriages. For us, loving our wives as Christ and the church. So we've covered some ground. I mean, we've just scratched the surface of what it means for, for husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church. We've just scratched the surface of that. And we talk about some ways, like listening and, and supporting her and her passions and growing in your faith. But what are some things we can do this week? How can we begin doing that uh, this afternoon or sometime in the next few days? What can we do? So guys, I want you to do two things. I know you're like, two? It's usually one. I know. Do two things this week. You guys can handle it. The first one is find a time to listen to your wife this week. And if you already do this, awesome. Keep doing it. But for a lot of us, we need to make it a point. I need to sit down and, and, and make sure it's a time when she's ready. You know, if she's like running around the house and you say, hey, now's the time I'm going to listen to you, it's not good. <laughs> but listen to her. Ask her, say, hey, how are you doing? And she's going to say, oh, I'm fine, you know, or here's what happened today. I'm saying, no, I'm serious. How are you doing? Ask that question. And then just listen. And you might be thinking, like, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help her. I don't know how to fix it. Don't worry about it. You don't have to. Just listen. Just listen to her. Listen to her. Ask good questions. If she says, oh, things are good, you can say, well, what's good? Or if she says things are really hard right now, how are things hard? What can I do to help you? Have those questions with your wife and then just listen. Don't fix it. Just listen. That's the first thing I want you guys to do this week. Listen to your wife. Make make a point of at least one time in this next week to listen to your wife. The other thing I want you to do is spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time growing in your faith this week. Spend some time reading the Gospels. Even if it's one, one passage, like at the men's retreat, we just read uh, John 15, 1 to 8, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. Eight verses. And those guys, I think there's going to be some of them that read that passage and memorize it and just keep working with it for the next, next few days, next week. Just spend, if you, you know, you might be thinking, like, I am, in, like, I'm busy up to here. I don't have time to sit down for two hours and read the Gospels. Okay, I understand that. But find a time to read at least one story of Jesus. Read chapter 15 of John about I am the vine. My father is the gardener. Find time to read that passage. And spend some time thinking about it. Don't just blow through it. Like, read about it and turn it over in your mind. Memorize it. Or carry it, write it down or, or copy it and put it in your, in your wallet. Carry it with you so that you keep it with you for a while. Draw closer to Jesus. Those are the two things I want you guys to do this week. 
Find one time. Make a point of listening to your wife at least once this week. That doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> you know what I mean. We're asking how she's doing, and you really listen. The other thing is spend time with Jesus. Now, ladies, you might have thought you were getting off easy today. I have something I'd like you to do this week, too. I would like you to be really gracious with your husband when he tries. You know, maybe you're in your marriage, maybe it's been a long time since he's listened to you, or you feel like it's been a long time since he's listened to you. I mean, sure, he, you know, he catches the details and stuff, but, but it's not, it's been, maybe it's been a long time since you've had a conversation where you sat down and said, you know, here's what I'm really having a hard time with. I'm asking you to trust him, to trust him to lead. I know it could be scary. I know it might go horribly wrong. I understand that. You know, as marriages, in marriages we get into routines and, and it just takes one person to say something and the next person says that and then it just, you know, you're like, well, this is a horrible idea. Let's not do this anymore. I'm asking you to be gracious with her, to be gracious with him. So if he's trying to listen to you, if he asks you awkwardly, so how are you doing with Jesus this week? Don't laugh. <laughs> Say, oh, okay, I see you. This is, you're trying to listen. Well, here's how I'm doing with Jesus. Be honest. And when he tries to fix you, be gracious, because he's probably going to try and fix you. Well, here's what you should do. Here's how you should fix that. Be gracious. You can even maybe gently say, I feel like you're trying to fix me right now. And he'll say, oh, sorry. Be gracious with him. And, you know, like us guys talking... Talking, you know, about anything other than, than mechanics and projects we're working on, it's hard. Talking about feelings for most guys is hard stuff. Talking with our wife about how she's feeling and about the things, that is really hard. So be gracious. Please, be gracious. Because if you're not, if he fails horribly and you take it out on him, I'm telling you, he's just going to say, you know what, I knew this was a bad idea. I'm never doing that again. And then you're in a real hurt. And then things just continue to go down and down. You, talk, you don't find yourself, you don't talk at all. So wives, this week, when he tries to listen to you, when he asks how you're doing and he tries to listen, please be gracious. Imagine how this could begin to uh, work out in your marriage. I mean, some of you are in a great place right now. Some of you are in a difficult place in your marriage. Imagine how this conversation could help things. Imagine... Guys, what it'll be like when your wife feels cherished and listened to. Like you're giving some of yourself up for her, like Christ gave himself up for the church. That you're setting down some of your stuff so that you can bless her and hers. Imagine what that will do for her. Wives, imagine what it'll be like when your husband awkwardly tries to listen to you or to, to ask you a deeper question and you end up having a really great conversation. Or maybe you have sort of an awkward fail and the, the whole thing kind of crashes and burns and you laugh a little bit about it because you know at least he's trying. Imagine what that could do in your marriage. I, I know that these are just tiny little things, but they have, they're like mustard seeds. They have the potential to be so rich and so great in a marriage. I encourage you guys, I encourage you women, wives, submit to your husband. Trust him to lead. Because if he's loving you like Christ loved the church, 
That's powerful stuff. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and give yourself up for her. Listen to her. Spend time finding what she's passionate about and bless her in that, support her in that. And make sure that you are spending time with Jesus yourself so that you have something to offer. You have some way to encourage her in faith. Amen.